Are we live? Are we live? We're doing it live! Oh, wow. I didn't see y'all. I didn't see the red button that I pressed. It's almost like I was pushing your buttons knowing that I'm being looked at and observed. And yet, I'm still... Hey, stop looking at me. And uh, you realize you're uh, you're nude at a Baby Zaros parking lot. And yes, even though all Baby Zaroses are closed down, whoever, like, Toys R Us didn't really think that one through. Baby, like, they really thought we're going to make a toy store very highly successful. Still don't understand the business of it foreclosing. Um, and then we're going to have a Baby Zaros. And we're going to overcharge the fuck out of it. But like anything that's a necessity, you can't have people with babies not getting their babies baby stuff. And you know, Walmart, Red House, Stock, Target, you got to gotta really, I guess, monopolize the capitalization of honorary statistics. Welcome to episode 103 of the Off and Be podcast. And that was a terrible intro. I gotta admit, I love my new titles. Um, not really changing the style of the pod. One thing I do is I make it a necessity that every single podcast is going to be an hour more. And it's literally going to be just literally an hour to an hour, 12, 13 minutes whenever my camera decides to shut off. And since when you don't have a real audio recording thing and you have to convert the fucking uh, camera file, which no big deal, it's just an mp3 file, that's all podcasts are, it's uh, you know, I'm adjusting, I have to adjust certain audio things. I never listen to my own show because I don't know if that's ego, I don't know if that's narcissism, but one thing I will say so I'm going to get back on the ball of doing it every fucking day. Or relatively, at least four times a week. Realistically. Um, and I listened to my pee and poo show. And I got to admit, the first time I listened to it through, when I was writing the descriptions and timestamps, get a little behind the scenes since you got a one-man show here, I don't want to be a one-man band. But goddamn, um... That's just what it is. Um, and if you're a one-man band, doesn't that mean you're just a solo artist? It's amazing the things we try to make sound grander than they are. It's like you're just a solo artist. And there's nothing wrong with being a solo artist. You get to keep most of the money, not worry about splitting it, having the same agents all trying to fuck you all evenly. But yeah. By the way, welcome to episode 103 of the Off and Be Podcast. I'm your host, Clint. Don't forget to suck some titties. And subscribe, like, and subscribe, all that, you know, whatever the fuck. But yeah, um, I listen to my own podcast. Obviously for research, you know, it's good to study your habits, study yourself. And I really thought, and I really liked the style of the podcast. Of course, there's some things that dragged out a little too long. Whatever it is, what it is that's what the time stands for. Skip around, jump around, jump, jump, jump. Uh, and I was like, man, I fucked up the audio thing. Not horrendously, but I was like, I like the new titles that that's basically a small little subjecture. Titles are going to be three words or less. The epi- it's not going to be episode blah. It's just going to be hashtag and the number. Titles are going to be short and sweet. And everything is going to be in the description. See how that works? You know, trying something new. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get the pod started. <sighs> it's uh, recording this 2.30 fucking a.m. January 29th, Saturday. And it is snowing. Um, and the thing about snow, Allegra, <laughs> oh, Joe Bunham will love that reference. 
Gotta love me, cause you are the best part. That's definitely her, H-E-R, H dot E dot R. I believe her, the artist, stands for... What the fuck does it stand for? I know that it's actually that. It's actually an acronym for something. It's a very clever name, Gabby. Gotta give it to you, Gabby. Oh, by the way, Euphoria is uh, apparently getting a lot, of, a lot of shit from the D.A.R.E. program for... Uh, I guess, influencing and marketing and uh, being a display for drug use and sex and all this shit. And I hate to bring it to you, the D.A.R.E. program. The D.A.R.E. program isn't designed to literally get rid of drugs. It's a representation of why there's a D.A.R.E. program. I've never seen Euphoria, but I've heard about it, because yeah, big ol' Zendaya. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, she's a beauty. Still need to see Malcolm and Marie, because uh, it's that movie with Denzel Washington's son. Every movie he's in is actually pretty good. Pretty good. Like that movie Beckett. Uh, I don't mean Beck, Beckett. But yeah, it's... Uh, Apparently, the D.A.R.E. program is uh, daring them to stop doing, stop showing drugs. It's like, well, that's kind of what happens. It's kind of the whole fucking point of the show. It's supposed to be a representation of why to bring awareness. Like, this isn't, this is prevalent. People are doing crazy drugs. People do shit in, like, high school and shit. That's why there's a fucking D.A.R.E. program. If these things didn't happen... There's a reason why Alcoholics Anonymous would never want a, well, is it abolishment of alcohol? Basically, where they abolish alcohol, make, make everything work. Uh, prohibition, yeah. Like, could you imagine? The worst thing that could ever happen to, and I've done rehab center, I've done, I've covered rehab center, rehab centers, Alcoholics Anonymous, anything that requires being addicted to an addictive substance of any kind. Those companies and those organizations that make a lot of fucking money to sponsor, no pun intended. Because even if, I don't know if you pay for Alcoholics Anonymous, but I'm pretty sure you do. Um, But there's certainly a lot of money. It's basically Alcoholics Anonymous... If you're not paying like a yearly annual membership to be a part of it, even if it is free, quote unquote, I'm pretty sure it's kind of like Facebook or Instagram or social media where it's just, it's free, but they're making money somewhere, man. Just because you're, it's like they say, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product type of thing. And of course, like Facebook, everyone knows what's going on there. Advertisement stealing your data. You look up a vacuum cleaner, then uh, there's Propecia that gets sponsored in your ad. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's not even like hidden. It's not even like it's not even like hidden subtly. It's not even like let's give this ten hours before we naturally suggest this. It's like literally you're in your car, you're on the phone. And you're talking with, I don't know, uh, your student loan company. And you're telling, hi, suck my dick, fuck off. And you come back inside and then go on your computer. Next thing you know, when you're going on BestBuy.com, there's a ad for... Do you need your student loans to be forgiven? And it's like, yeah. I'm kind of waiting for Biden to do that, but apparently I got to be disabled, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, these these programs don't actually want fucking the thing that keeps their business going in. They don't want people. We They don't want the world to be 100% clean and dry, you know, dry from alcohol. They don't want the world to be sober. No. We're running a business here. And even though your business has well intention, the business is there to help people. It's like a chiropractor in therapy. 
It's like if everyone had great fucking backs, you would be out of business. If no one had issues from blaming their parents and having therapeutic issues with themselves, you wouldn't have a job. And the value of your job would be less than what I make a year. But they're there because it's a real thing. And you give people choices and people make those choices and sometimes... They can't control themselves at a certain point. The point I'm trying to make, dare, dear, dare, dare program. I'm not even trying to like, ooh, the dare program. It's this funny thing where you sign this thing, you get a sticker on your chest and say, I don't do crack. And then two years later, you're doing crack out of someone's crack. Um, No, you're uh, blowing a hole (laughs) in your future. Um, Yeah. Like Three Days Grace, you're just trying to get out alive before you just let it die. Don't be scared. But I'm pretty sure after it's all said and done, um, I will hate everything about you. And now, you're gone forever because you fell into a deep rabbit hole. And the fact that Three Days Grace would fucking just like, hey, we'll just replace the lead singer. No one will care. When I hate to break it, I for one, there's no like real rock bands these days in the past decade. I think I've kind of covered that. But like Three Days Grace has a close to my chest. One, I do believe they have one of the most top to bottom classic albums. I don't know about classic because I'm not a big music historian. I'm not, I don't listen to Pink Floyd. I'd never really listened to the Beatles, really. And of course, those are historical bands. I don't even care for Queen and stuff like that. But Three Days Grace is like alternative. uh, It's a combination of real rock, emo, alternative. With but they were mainstream, which is unheard of. They were in the Avenged Sevenfold camp. I know, getting deep in the weeds here. But anyone that ever. You know, bought a graphic tee from Hot Topic, even when they, you know, would buy one of a band that they know three fucking songs off, and two of them were just played on Star 94, edited, and Three Days Grace was a real one. Them, Panic at the Disco's first album, I know, we're doing deep music cuts here, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, I've had discussions with this with close friends of mine that we grew up around the same area, and, like, it's very rare that an album is literally top to bottom. You know every lyric. You repeat. There's no skips. Like, legitimately no skips. And it's a pure album. I would say Panic at the Disco's A Fever You Can Sweat Out, or You Can't Sweat Out, is literally when you listen to lyric, it feels like a orchestra from top to bottom. It feels a continuous story. Where Three Days of Grace, I wouldn't say it feels like this continuous story, but there's definitely a theme. Um, it's definitely a lot of the songs are about uh, personal, personal demons, uh, pain, literally one of the songs, about accessing parts of yourself that you're ashamed of and anger, but at the same time, somberness like there's real like one x is one of the greatest albums i believe in the past 30 years just putting out there top to bottom no skips and they just thought the lead singer who has a distinct voice ah we'll just replace him with the guy who was in a another average rock band who had like one hit about fucking porn star featuring zach wilde and they just thought no one will notice the difference. Or obviously we're gonna notice the difference, but you can't ha- you can't replace and just put some other average basic white dude to replace him. You just can't. And it's a shame that they just thought it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Nothing. No one will care. Hey, 
hate to break it to you. We all fucking care. But it goes to show what was the fucking point of this rant? <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry, when I got distracted. One little thing when I'm in the middle of recording. Side note, behind the scenes. I like to record not when there's like no one home or nothing like that, but I like to record when there's going to be like no interruptions because the slightest thing of hearing a sink going, of hearing a door, hearing a dishwasher, fucking hearing the bullshit unlock and lock pad. It, like, makes me stop in my tracks and makes me lose my tracks. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I'm not a classic story mu- mu- musical. I, like, the, I'm not going to be having a PBS Ken Burns documentary about the story of Three Days Grace and Event Sevenfold. But, it is, like, the fact that they just thought, we'll just put another fucking guy in there who doesn't have the growl, who doesn't have the feeling... And it's just, I hate everything about you. It's like, oh. It literally just looked like they went to some hard rock cafe. Got some guy who, you know, was in a okay band. Like, they do some gigs. They travel from Cincinnati to, like, fucking uh, the middle of New Jersey. And they make, like, a 100 bucks a night. They make technically kind of a living. But it's not Adam, the original lead singer of Three Days Grace. I don't know why I went on that soapbox. But that album is special. And they perform great live, which is honestly the most, it's the biggest barometer of what makes, uh, obviously, artists good. And even my favorite current artists in today's music that I listen to, my music changes, I've my music tastes have changed a lot because I've changed a lot as a person. Three Days of Grace, like, I can still rock out to it, no pun intended. But I can still really fucking digest me because when you're in a better uh, space, uh, oh Jesus, I'm starting to sound one of those. When you're in a better space mentally, you really see things. Really, but, well, you know, when typically when you listen to that music at a younger age is because you really do hate a lot of things. You When you're into that type of alternative kind of emo music, uh, for lack of a better word, like, Never Too Late is literally about trying to stop suicide. And by the way, 1-800-273-5523, that Logic song, guess what? If people didn't commit suicide and everyone was well, you wouldn't have a hotline that got promoted basically for fucking free. So... I don't want to hear it. That's all I'm going to say on that. And you don't think they make fucking money? Like, you really don't think they make money? I don't care if it's free. Like, it does. it's not free to set up a number and to set up a service for people to call. It's a good service, by the way. I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't call. What I am saying is... These programs that want to denounce things, well, if those things were completely getting rid of society, you wouldn't even be a thing. But, hey, fuck me. Um, but, yeah. Uh, what was I talking about? Music. But, yeah, when, when you're in a, when like, teenagers, typically when you really, your first taste of being emotionally attached to music, I would say. I would say when you're probably, like, I don't know, like 10, 11, 12, is when you actually can actually start like kind of understanding music. And it could be something as simple as uniqueness and distinct sounds. Like for me, and to this day, I notice things that matter to me, essentially, I'm not a big instrumentalist too. I mean, I can acknowledge when it sounds great. Like very few, like I hear a guitar riff and I jizz my pants. Like, no, when I hear a man sing a certain note, I jizz my pants. Um, I don't know, I don't really get off on, wow, this is about to sound sexist, but I promise it's not, I don't really, I, I know, I don't really listen to woman artists, does, does that say something about me? I think typically woman, I, I, I think typically we 
guys relate more to guys that sing and girls relate more to what girls sing. Like, Taylor Swift has more of a female audience, but a male artist can have a female audience. How many female artists actually have a predominantly male artist? Like, you have One Direction, a pop group, NSYNC, Justin Timberlake, and you know what? I'm a JT fan, but I can acknowledge, you know what? It's definitely more of a female fan base. Sam Hunt's a female fan base. A lot of country, a lot of, especially modern country, was talking about breakups and breakup in a small town. <laughs> Just, uh, I don't know if you're looking at me or not. You probably smile like all the time. I don't mean to bother you, but couldn't just walk by, not say hi, and that's take your time, not break up in a small town, but you get the point. It's literally, it's literally a projection of a lot of things, and that more of opens gates to that, right? But yeah, I think that's an interesting discussion. Why do, uh, why, why, why do... Why do woman artists not really have male fan bases, but a male artist can have a predominantly female fan base? Does that mean women are actually more attached to music than men? I don't know the study on that. Something to think about. It's actually, that'd be actually a good deed to do. But anyways, back to Three Days Grace and that type of music. I can listen to that music and appreciate it more today, but look at it from a better place where when I listen to... Like a song like Pain or Time of Dying. Like, I, I don't actually, like, I don't actually feel it, right? But it just sounds good. Sometimes music just sounds good. And their music distinctly, the lyrics and always have a meaning. Like, every song has a, you feel it. Like, the dude who's singing it is actually, like, feeling that shit. Comes from a real place back when the artist actually, like, wrote their music type of shit, and I just think that if I were to, and I just think now when I listen to it, it's much different than in the moment, right, where I loved and enjoyed the music, but but at the time, like, when you're fully indelved, when it was live, when they were active, when you're really actively into that. It's like, you know, it's like every song, every style of music, you look back and you're like, wow, I listen to a lot of dark shit. I listen to a lot of like questionably, I don't want to say suicide, but really when you get in the monotone, really the isolated part, it's really a lot of isolation music of never feeling good enough for the world type of stuff. And is that dangerous? Like if, if you're, if you're a parent about to go the Jordan the Jordan Peterson route on Joe Rogan where you know he uh where he I'm gonna make a parallel where by the way the Jordan Peterson Joe Rogan I've actually never listened to a Joe Jordan Peterson podcast from beginning to end. I've listened to parts of different things he's been on and so I know who he is. I know the stuff he's it was actually one of the best like interesting podcasts I've ever listened to. At the very least interesting but th- there was a part where he said that I believe like his son, you know, he has son, he has a couple daughters or whatever. And when they were children, this was years, years back in the day. And his, uh, his daughters were dressing up him, meaning his son, his daughters were dressing up his son. You know, they're just playing around, dressing him in dresses, princess, blah, 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 you know. And him being an intellectual overthinker, and that's a compliment because he's 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 I mean he's not just an intellectual overthink he that like that's honestly being disrespectful, and I don't really care to be respectful, but in his case I do. Um, I would say he's very everything he feels can it connects and is gonna lead to something twenty years from now. And I'm not going to get into transgenderism, this is view type of stuff. But he saw his son being dressed up by his daughters, playing around. And he went to his office and literally sat there for hours and hours just thinking to himself, is this a is this problem? Is this going to lead to him being this? And is this going to change? 
Is he not going to know how to healthily, you know, whatever? And then he came to his senses like, you know what? It's probably going to lead to nothing. They're probably going to dress up. He's playing with his sisters, you know, uh, legally. <laughs> playing. Um, and he's just dressing up. Same way a dad would. You know, put on a little princess crown, have a little tea party with their daughters. Like, it's not, like, not everything is that deep. But, of course, in the current times where, oh, will this lead to my kid struggling with their identity? So you don't want to be a girl and stuff like that. Like, I get it. Like, if your son were one to dress up like that every day for, like, three months, yeah. Then you may, oh, this isn't just a, I'm playing with my sister. This is... What I'm kind of going towards. Like, you know, it could be a person. And him being a essentially a psychologist, behavioral human. Of course he's going to think. He's going to think the worst aspects that could potentially happen. And it got it got me to thinking personally. Um, Shit, what was the fucking parallels? God damn it. Oh, yeah. Would it be with music? If you're a parent and you and your child is listening to, I'm not even gonna go like the. I'm not talking about gore, cannibal corpse, like that type of shit. Which I did dabble in, you know. Let's not like Marilyn Manson shit. I'm not talking about the more extreme shit where it's not just the lyrics and stuff and the music. It's the representation of how they're dressing, the outlook, the image, and everything. Um, Like, would you... If your 13-year-old son was listening to this type of music. But there's no signs that he was going to go out and bash someone's face. And then start wearing a Slipknot mask. And then go rob convenience stores. He just liked the music. But... It's like, well... Let's say he gets a little lost in life. Let's say he's 22 or something. And then he's still kind of in that mindset. You know, he doubt he he cuz it starts in the lower the middle extreme to get yourself it's kind of like a gateway into the bigger stuff. It's like with country music like like pop country and modern country. That's how I got into more country music and that got me in like the Sam Hunts and the Dustin Lynches and them of the world. Where a lot of people say it's not real country music, it's blah blah blah, and I get it. But without getting interested in them, I wouldn't have gotten into more traditionalists that are more renowned and accepted as more pure country artists. And so it opened the gateway to that, right? Like, and. I wonder, is it, could the signs have been when your son was 12 or 13 and then they become a school shooter? <laughs> really extreme. That would, if you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't listen to a three days grace song and think about shooting at school. Like that three days, it's not that type of music. It's more about <laughs> like preventing yourself from even like leaving the house type of shit because you want to kill yourself type of shit. It's more of a lot of self-loathing behind all of it, but with some aggression. Uh, and I guess, you know, the parallel would be Jordan Peterson's uh, situation and his overthinking with that. As a parent, do you do you kind of have those same thoughts just for an hour or two? The same was like, is this like, do I need to get shut? Do I need to stop this? And... Realize, like, nah, just, hey, as long as he's not going out there, fucking, uh, throwing mazel, no, I about to say mazel tov, but molotovs through the neighbor's window, like, he'll be alright. More times than not, he'll be just a fine person in society. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that's that. Okay. Let's uh, go to today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is the Vein Clinic. Yes. Have you ever, uh, hold on, let me read the ad. 
do do let me pull it up this is how we do it live we're doing it live um he gets you say we're doing it in vain <laughs> all right ever had a ever had a blood clot ever had your feet numb ever see those purple stray little crippling things outside the ball of your ankle it could be nothing but it could be something Give us a call today at the Vein Clinic. The Vein Clinic is here to make sure that. What does that say? The Vein Clinic will. I feel like Bill Burr reading an ad without the hilariousness. The Vein Clinic will make sure you can play with your kids when they're. when you're 50. I mean, like, well, hold on. Well, I mean, like, I don't know, unless you had a kid at 44 or something. Most kids have, like, most people have kids when they're, like, 25, 26. Well, yeah, not me. But even if you have a kid at the ripe age of 35, like, you're not really playing with your kid when they're 15. You know, well, you know. Which, by the way, Michael Jackson uh, call, used to call his own sister a hog when she was going through a weight gain. So, uh, for all the ladies who want to go out there and defend Mike and praise Mike, just remember, uh, he, he called Janet Jackson a hog. And I'm not saying it's funny of calling, making fun of your sister for a white game, but that's such a weird, that that's definitely like a immature thing. Like, like that's the most immature term of an insult. He could have called her fatty. He could have called her. Uh, bigger than a whale. This man said hog. First of all, hogs aren't even that fucking big. Like, they're actually small. Whatever, man. Pigs actually aren't even that big. Alright, back to the ad read. Okay, the vein clinic. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is not funny to anyone but me, but it's cool. It's my fucking podcast. It's This is a bonus episode, so I don't give a fuck. The vein clinic. Um, well, let's skip along. I don't know if they're going to like me skipping around their own fucking ad read, but it's not like they're giving me millions. They won't even fix my mom's or my own fucking veins. So, I think honestly, this is exactly an endorsement. <laughs> but hey, you know, if I happen to do private emails, stop fucking reaching for sponsors on emails and then just thinking anyone, any podcast we go on and get sponsored on is good for our business. It's like, you guys are always buying fucking Whole Foods. And you guys don't even invest in, like, a standalone building. It's always next to, like, a bullshit yoga place that charges 120 bucks for you to stretch your legs for 28 minutes. Just for Raphael to spank your ass and say, good work today. Um, yeah, the vein clinic. <laughs> okay. Come get your, uh, come get your inspection. Come have one of our experts look to see if the problem isn't just a problem. This is your life at the line. Don't, don't be in vain. Oh Jesus! Well, you know what? That'd be odd. Like, so yeah. All right, I'll read the ad and get my yeah. Anywhere in your body, veins can. Veins can cause cata, cata, cardi, card, basically cardi B, uh, B Tasha K, and won millions of dollars. <laughs> but yeah, cardio. I run this bitch like cardio. Just not this ad read. All right. Anyways, yeah, let's run through this. All right. Uh, go get checked out. Uh, you know, we are all one bad day away from it being too late. Well, Jesus, that got dark. Um. Yeah, put a clinic on your veins and don't don't let it be in vain. Come check out today. Go to our website and we will do... I can't fucking read. You get it. Go to the vein clinic. V-E-I-N clinic. If you can't spell clinic, you probably need to go to a different type of clinic. Um, but yeah, go get your veins checked out. You know, you could have numbness, you could 
you know, your legs give out one day and your arms can stop working. It's a real thing. Um, I, I have different, you know, pressure point issues with me, but, you know, it's get it together. You better get your shit together. And that's our ad read and sponsor for today. Alright, guys. Back to the real podcast. Skipperoo. Um, yeah. Okay. So... Have you ever, I am I like how I'm saying have you ever, like you can directly respond like you're in the fucking audience, like you're Bradley Cooper and James Limpton on Inside the Actor Studio. It's like, have you ever thought, why? Why do I listen to what I listen to on a day? Why do I listen to the music I listen to? Why have you ever broke down the podcast you listen to? Have you ever broke down the channels? Have you ever broke down the type of stand-ups you listen to? Why is that? And this is a very generic thing. But this is some I've... You know, I kind of, I, I think in the back, I'll, I'm always, I, I kind of start changing and going in different directions at different times. And it could be, we do we look for entertainment for what is literally currently, like if you're sad in life, you'll probably try to seek happy things, things that make you laugh. And then when you're happy, you try to, you try to kind of balance that. I think we're always just looking to we're looking for our entertainment to be a balancing act. Like, if you live a pretty high-paced life, like always traveling, always going here and there, you'll probably be into things like Downton Abbey. You'll probably be into very slow-burn stuff. But if you're someone who lives a pretty mundane, you know, you go home, you wear socks around your own fucking place, double socks, you're probably going to be looking for, like, of fucking the debt collector on Netflix and part two. You're gonna be looking for a little bit of a race. You're probably gonna be watching Die Hard, Money Talks, The Last Boy Scout. You're gonna be basically Bruce Willis. <laughs> and by Bruce Willis's films in the past like 12 years, not 12 years, more like the last six, it's the definition of showing up for a check and you can do an act any way you want. And everyone in that scene and everyone that's involved with the movies knows they can't do anything fucking about it. And you just go up there and you're doing some extreme bullshit reactions. And they give them the laziest part. They they, they put no effort in the stunt double. And there was a movie he did. I think it was called Point Blank. But it, I, it was a movie with Frank Grillo where basically Frank Grillo is a bank teller. He works at a bank or whatever. The bank gets robbed or whatever. But at the beginning, he's his neighbor, but he's like a former mercenary in the army. But, you know, they don't really know anything about him. But they just know he's a former vet. And from behind in this camera angle, they show, they just show this bald dude doing pull-ups, doing pull-ups like... A, like a jet, like a Jack Patrick Willis would be in his prime, like DK Metcalf, but a white version, obviously. He's had this bald dude doing fucking pull-ups, <laughs> overhand, perfect form. This dude like probably does CrossFit, which means he's probably gonna pull a groin in like three weeks. And they just show. I was like, first of all, and then it's like. Then you see Bruce Willis where it's like, first of all, like, not that he has a bad body, but he definitely wasn't, he's definitely not doing pull-ups. He's not in the die-hard shape anymore. They made the dude doing pull-ups look more in definition and in better shape than Bruce Willis in any of his prime movies of his action career. Die-hard, Pulp Fiction, all that shit. And he wasn't good, and, you know, that's when, maybe, I just don't think he has it for acting anymore. Which, I mean, look, it is what it is. He basically just does, like, Redbox movies, Netflix, BS movies, gets a check, and calls it a day. But, 
it's like, Jesus, like, the low effort on the stunt double. It's like, the scenes that, like, I don't have to believe for it. And there was nothing the rest of the movie that would make you even need an ounce of belief that, oh, well, those pull-ups really trained them for this moment because they didn't put them in any real action scenes until near the end where he shoots some guy while he was camping in a bridge while the Frank Grillo dude did all the work chasing this dude around and Bruce Willis like, got him, bitch. I saved your family. He's like, well, thanks. And then they show him in the ambulance and then they show him sending them off in the ambulance like, you did good. It's like, what the fuck is this? It's like, Jesus Christ, like, I'm, I'm not saying shit on the guy, you know, but look, we have eyes. I don't know, man, it is what it is. How would it be to, if you were an actor and went on a movie set and you're working with a legendary actor that just, they either don't care to really put effort, they're picking shit literally just for the money or quick, quick work, and because their name and because the leverage and they know them technically being on the movie, being the main actor on it, even if they're only in, if you combine everything, 12 minutes of the hour and 38 minute movie, there's nothing worse than when they have a character on the cover poster as the main guy. He's like 1A and then they smaller, they make the smaller picture for the people that are actually in 95% of the fucking movie, but the one guy's in it for... 12 fucking minutes. And that's the what Bruce Willis was. Um, look, he's earned the right. Like, he's earned the right to have... You can't really do it in football. But he's earned the right to have, like, his... The Kobe... You know, rest in peace. The Kobe last season. Where it was... A lot of the season... He's really just trying to stay... He was really doing a lot of rehab. To stay... He didn't... They didn't make him practice. They didn't make him do... Any of the, sh- they make him do like any, show up to any of the voluntary shit. He showed up to training camp whenever, you know, it's like, all right, I'll show up to training camp. Our team sucks ass. That was like a year they won 27 games. The last game of the season won six. Like to prepare for every game, he had to fucking do like six hour routines, eat this, train this, do this. He had to like train twice before, twice a day before even playing 32 minutes in a game. And Bruce Willis has earned that. He, You know, I guess when you get to that level and you've already done everything, and I'm going to assume he doesn't really need technically the money, but at the same time, I don't think he'd be doing these things if he was that well off. And it, it's not really sad because I don't get like in people's business or money like that. Like, oh my God, it's sad. They blew, they blew their life away. They fuck. It's like, I look, man, because I like to think if I was in their position, like I wouldn't have been as nonchalant with my money. But at the same time, I think we all, I think most of us would have done very similar outcome that they did with their money or lack of care. Because you're not in that position to, you're not even close to that position to be like, yeah. It's like, oh, I would never do that. It's like, you would think so. And actually, I got into, I got into it with someone. Not like into it, into it, but someone, but someone that I see semi-regularly. And, uh, he, and I forgot what we were talking about, but basically I had to, it was like, oh, we were talking about Twitch streamers. And we're talking about Hassan, Hassan, Hassan Abi. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Hassan Abi, uh, Abi. He had a problem with Jordan Peterson, which is ironic. Um, but yeah, basically the whole like, because we got into the thing about donations with Twitch streamers, which I've talked about that before. I think it's a weird system. It's not for me, but it's whatever. Like if people are willing to give you money, willing to give you money, but. I don't know how, how do we just, how do you feel comfortable voluntarily, quote unquote, donating money? And, cause that's what it literally is. You're donating money to someone who's living in a mansion. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for one. And two, 
and from where I'm aware, these streams is like to people that don't like they're very like there's nothing special about these streams. It's just them sitting in a room with the chat thing, talking about whatever. Some of them are playing video games. Some of them are just talking into a mic and, you know, whatever you're interested, interested in. But then say, oh, it's for a better camera and all this shit. For your viewing quality. It's like, it's like you have four, you've made $200,000 this month. Cameras aren't $50,000. Well, I don't know, unless you get like, a film fucking camera that like some Warner Bros would be fucking working with. Like the ones they would film on. I know what you did last summer. It was not pay 20 fucking thousand for a camera, bitch. And it just, you know, it's this weird. And that this is why I don't take any Twitch streamer that talks about politics serious. I don't care if they make money. I don't care if they're successful and all that shit. But... And it's ironic that a lot of them bitch about capitalism and shit, and yet they do a fucking thing that's literally definition of capitalism, where you capitalize on subjectivity, and you're kind of persuading people by using a service that's not your service, by the way, and you make hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions most of the big ones are millions a year, but hundreds of thousands a month minimum. So, and they're the same ones that talk about, oh, we should have income, equality, we should have equality and in income and all this shit. And that sounds great. Um, but then I feel like they would take everyone's income equality, but hey. Donate to us because we're still different. And really, uh, like your value in that field is really whatever people are willing to pay you. So again, I'm not mad at the streamers. I'm not mad at the people that make money. Do I make judgments about people that would give someone 15 bucks because they're dressed up as an anime porn girl? Yeah, I make heavy judgments because to be honest, a lot of that shit's weird as fuck. When you see like... I think the girl's name is Pokimane, but it's it'll be like these 19-year-old girls that are like really petite or like honestly Asian because there's this weird anime fetish in society. And it's really honestly like you're like, that girl's 19? Why did she give him this impression? She's talking like a 14-year-old girl. It's very wooden out. It's very Woody Allen type of shit. And all these dudes are like, oh my gosh, she's so hot. It makes me want to whip out my cock and say Pokemon. Oh, Digimon. It's like this weird fucking thing going on. Like, I I, I get anime is not my thing. That type of sphere, that type of stuff. Like, I get it. It's not for me. But, like, I see YouTube videos. I see it and, 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 like, I have a good sense of what's going on in this shit. And it's just weird. It's very predatory. It's like the dudes with Billie Eilish. That are just waiting out the bushes. And I believe like. What was it? Billie Eilish. And there was. um, What's the fucking. It was some girl that was underage. And it was like some girl that was 16 or 17. And I'm pretty sure they do this with a lot of like underage celebrities. Where they literally had a website with a countdown of when she turns 18. So they can start, so they can have chats to start speaking about them openly in such a way. Because now they're quote unquote legal. Always have a weird thing for like dudes that are like 30 plus years old. That just wait for girls to turn legal. Like type of shit. Like I get it. It's legal. It's in the fucking name. But. You know, technically, kids sleeping in Michael Jackson's bed was legal. So, take that for whatever it's worth. Just because something's legal doesn't mean you shouldn't raise an eyebrow and be like, I don't know about that one. Um, But yeah, anyways. Yeah, that shit's just weird to me. Um, it, it, I, I think it just, it really just kind of shows like a casted irony in people. It's always weird, like... My biggest fear, by the way, my biggest, I won't even say fear, but like my biggest thing is like, uh, 
Anytime I think I'm not going to have anything to talk about in the pod, I turn on the button, I, I press the button, and then I just get going. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it is uh, one of the weird things about... Shit, I, I just said that, and then I forgot what the fuck I was talking about. I stopped my own momentum. Oh, Jesus. Um. Oh, yeah, it, it's a casted irony. That I think what you see, and I would like to say, I don't even know if I'm millennial, Gen Z, but I would say people that you see between the ages of, I guess, really 16 to like 28, 29, and honestly, now it's even like 30s. I think really it's like a good 15 year range you could capture people. Is that. They they want it's not just having your cake and eat it too. It's not just it's not just uh wanting your pudding and still feeding, you know, the your grandmother is about to die in three days in the hospice home, like type of it's like you're just kind of feeding a dying well, damn, that took a dark turn. You're just kind of feeding a dying breed. Um but it, it it just it's it's fascinating me because i when you see this and i th- i think when you hear here's what i think like youtube and Instagram and all this stuff has influenced all this stuff in a direction is that it has made it's not even i know what i'm saying it's not uh, it's a lot of qualification to get to the fucking point clint get to the point clint it's not just virtue signaling on uh, certain subject matters. It, it's really even something to me that I actually think it's really problematic. It's people that aren't that aren't even aware of what they're doing. Even though I believe a lot of people that are out here talking about politics and stuff, and they really think they're just talking their left or right wing bullshit. I I think they know exactly what they're doing in terms of causing a stir. They're saying certain things that they don't necessarily believe in. But they honestly don't even... But I honestly think some of them don't really know what they believe in. And they believe in what they're taught. It's kind of like... It's funny how... Do you remember... Again, there. Do you remember? Like, I have a crowd here. Do you remember? Like, in set. I remember distinctly in seventh grade. Cause I remember the middle schools in. I remember it was when Obama was elected in two thousand eight. Big deal for a lot of reasons. First, black president. First, first uh, Democrat since I think Bill Clinton was a president. Like you know, it was a pretty. It was a pretty it was a pretty big deal for a lot of things. It was historic. It was beyond a big deal. It was historic. I remember going to school and I remember it was this uh lit- it was a literature class. We were watching The Outsiders, you know, Pony Boy. Pony Boy. Um apparently it had a, like an all-star cast. It was basically the expendable cast or Ocean's 11 type of star power but like with when the 1980s with like big stars when they were like 14 and 15 before they aged like Ben Affleck was randomly in the fucking movie I think how like Ben Affleck you had Tom Cruise was in the movie uh you had you know Corey Haim you know all like plenty plenty of name Rob Lowe like a lot of fucking names but um I remember going I remember going to class and it was like the week or day after it was official and teachers were like okay cuz every time before class or even comments or someone would make comments about something cuz you know it's 7th grade talking about politics you know that's what the world needs um, but those are the same people that grow up and they're on Facebook or they're on, they have their own channel talking conservative right wing media or lefty, 
you know, liberal, whatever. The same people growing up and doing that. And it all started in that classroom. And what you hear, and I remember it's like, okay, for the first 15 minutes of class, we're not going to watch the movie. Because, you know, it's important that we talk about, you know, any time a president is voted, any time all this you know, it should just be like not even a discussion topic, which I don't know what this teacher thought. Like, hey, let's have a bunch of seventh graders speak about politics when literally the year earlier they just learned how many represent represent representatives represent. I was about to say is like literally a semester earlier is when I learned about how many represent representatives are in the House of Representatives, how many represent a Senate. Oh, for one every 500,000, that's the House of Representatives, and you have two for every state, no matter the fucking population. And the electoral call, like, that, like, it was literally semester early where we learned all that shit. Because, you know, it was actually a proper school system. They actually had a curriculum. And I remember, and they're like, you know what, you guys are ready. Let's just, let's just open the books. And I remember there was this, uh, it was basically one corner of the room that were kind of friends. And they all lived in a very above, a uh, pretty high class area. The school was a pretty high class area. You know, most kids came from like a little bit of wealth or at least some type of like nice, you know, basically they they lived in one of those like gated, not even gated. Those fucking neighborhoods are like four miles fucking long and they have a golf course and call it community. It's like, alright. But, where all the fucking mailboxes, half the houses, they don't even cut their own yard. They literally have a lawn service for the whole fucking neighborhood. The HOA. <laughs> um, and the whole class was just, most of the class, it was just be this one corner. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's problem, man, because he's just gonna cause, we're gonna have World War Three and all this shit, and they'll be like, well, oh, and then, like, I think there was, like, three black kids, and I was like, oh, so, you, or do you just have a problem because it's black, and then do it because it's black, it's because he's he even a citizen, you know, that whole thing, and I'm like, and I'm not even kidding, there was a couple that were like, well, my dad said, and, you know, my mom said, and all this stuff, and that's what they thought, you think about what your parents think. In the seventh grader, you're not, you don't know what, even, even if you know technically how government technically works, you don't actually know the intricacies of reality of what really takes place. And even when you're old, you still don't really know shit. You never really know shit what's going on. But that, and honestly, political television, uh, politics on social media was literally in today to me it is no different than what took place in that seventh grade classroom and to me that's why i don't take politics serious that's why i don't talk about it does that mean politics are not important of course they are i mean there's laws there's real things that apply to people and livelihoods but at the same time, I also think politics are just made up. No, they are self-made issues that we as people make more complicated than it has to be. And then we're going to rely and we expect those same people that cause the problem to fix it when there's no real incentive to fix the shit. Which is why they did the shit of why the problems take place. Every, it, you know, it, it's like with, um, for example, for people the thing I don't keep up, I do kind of keep up with it. I just don't talk about it. People are bitching, uh, because like, uh, there's Nancy Pelosi and <laughs> basically blatantly saying, and other representative, other represent, represent, Jesus fucking Christ. It's representatives, Clint. I keep on one say representation, even though technically it's not false. But basically, people in uh the in Washington D.C., people in these fields, 
they they basically make a lot of money in stock market, which doesn't sound like a big deal because we know anyone that has any decent amount of money in politics, even not in politics, most of them invest in the stock market because that's where the money's at. Which, by the way, I don't feel an ounce of sympathy for any of you crypto motherfuckers and you guys still dying on that hill. And you're just like, oh, it's just a crash. Don't worry. We're It's like the stock market. It's like, you know what? The only reason why crypto even... Isn't it ironic that people that want to talk about crypto, these experts, it has value because uh, people, have, people look at value. It's like, yeah. But in order for to even to begin with, your cryptocurrency all started because you had to invest real American U.S. or currency that is accepted in the world. And we'll just say to keep it simple, the U.S. dollar. Because you're not just, is you're not literally just throwing monopoly piece of paper money out of a game board box and say, oh, I just lost $500 million when the stocks were, no, you, you actually lost a lot of fucking money. And you're hiding behind this crypto stuff and I'm not saying it's complete bullshit what I am saying is when it doesn't work out and we are going to look back like five years from now we are going to look back and be like wow we really fell for this shit like wow this may have been the biggest scam the biggest financial scam and there more people are going to lose real I really believe more people are going to lose more money off of this than the great depression then, um, for the when the st- when the real estate when uh, the two thousand nine how the housing crisis, uh, basically when uh fucking uh the big short the movie basically the two thousand eight housing crisis where they're just giving fucking loans away and shit, and hey I bet we benefited from it so I'm not complaining, <laughs> but <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I'm not going to feel an ounce of sympathy for you crypto people. And I'm not anti, I'm not this ant, but let's not make this crypto thing like it's the greatest thing ever invented because it honestly, it looks like the biggest scam from any reasonable person and people just invest blindly because it's cool. Like anything, when anything becomes trendy and cool, here's, here's, here's what I'll say for people to say, for people to say is to actually protect your money. Um, your money is going to be, regardless of inflation or not, your money is going to be protected in the market that it actually applies to. But anyways, whatever. But people were mad because Nancy Pelosi, and just like, yeah, we do. And honestly, because we can't, and then there's like Matt Gates out here being like, we don't make a living. We can't make any money in DC. It's like, well... It's like, I don't know, I see a lot of y'all's houses um, making money somehow. But of course, the problem is the fact that you literally have insider information because your job is to literally know what's going on in the stocks and you have insider information. And they're just blaming like, yeah, we know the shit and we take advantage of it. When in any reasonable situation, you know anything about stock market, insider trading, uh, you go to jail for a long fucking time. Essentially, Wolf of Wall Street. On uh, That's like the max, max level. In most scenarios, it's really like, oh, I got a tip on this. And then you, you kind of get a slap on the wrist, go about your day, depending on how much money you could pay, but whatever. Like, typically, if you have money, you can get out of it, which is kind of the whole point of the point. Um, but yeah, like, when you see stuff like that, like, what are you going to sit there and get mad and punch your bed and punch the wall for? It's like, yeah. I'm not surprised. It shall honestly motivate you to get to her position so you can take advantage of that. Wait, you think if you were in her positions, like while well, I was talking earlier about the money thing, we all like to think we wouldn't be the one to blow all of her money. But you know what? If you were in her, if you were in her position and it technically wasn't illegal to do what she's doing, it's just more morally wrong. Because she basically spoke about it like, yeah, 
We have to make a living doing this. This is how we make money. And although I don't really believe that's the only way they make money, I believe she makes a lot of money, and I believe they all make a lot of money doing stuff outside of that, but if you can make a lot of extra money doing something that you literally don't have to do anything for, that's called passive income. It's fucking, you're an idiot not to do it. And if you were in her position, you would do the same fucking thing. And I'm not here caping for it. What I'm saying is, we would all, we would all fucking do it. And you wouldn't change a single law to prevent it in the future. Absolutely not. You know why? Because you're going to live in that Jeff Bezos mansion. You're going to live in the Weekends mansion. You're going to live in Drake's house. And you're going to live in Drake's palace. Because the palace ain't for kids. (laughs) And you're going to be like, eh, is it really that bad? Because... Guess what? As humans, human behavior, we will always justify when we benefit the most. Crazy. So, let's uh, send the pod there. Alright guys, that was episode 103 of the Off and Beat Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and suck some titties. Whew. Making a big round here. I'm liking the angle. Hopefully the audio is a little better. Changes the audio on the camera a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Alright guys. Um, yeah. Moral of today's episode is. Like what you do. And my hands are dry as fuck. Really dry. Reminds me of that like. Uh, from that cartoon it's like a cartoon, I think it's from like Osmosis Jones or some one of those like shows like from 2005 that was actually kind of fire. It was this, it was this black kid and he was into this girl who happened to be white and he went over to her house or whatever to break up with her or she says something he's like, you know what, I'm done with it. It's like, you know what? I think I had a realization. And it's like this whole break, not even breakdown, but I had this whole like thing going on. And he, as he's walking out, he le- you think he just leaves like, ah, I said what I need to say. This man say, and by the way, that chicken was dry. Real dry. <laughs> that shit still gets me to this day. So yeah. My hands feel like scrubbing, washing, and we actually got in some topics. It wasn't really even a humorous pod. I actually got into some stuff. Even the godforsaken unbearingness of fucking politics. So, just briefly, just briefly. Alright guys, have a great day and enjoy the pod. Oh Jesus, Clint. Not again, not again. I just wanna be your friend. Why is why is my bank fucking asking me that if I wanna set up a student package for a fucking like no. Like yeah, whatever.